Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of the Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse on the link top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also, on that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can subscribe to receive a daily excellent email that includes both the text reading for the day as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 uh, to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we begin a new chapter, chapter 19, Beyond the Body. We'll be reading uh, section one, Introduction, as well as section two, Healing and the Mind. We're also mindful of our lesson today, which is Review Lesson 212. And like each in this series, it's surrounded with the idea, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still, as God created me. Today we're reviewing Lesson 192, which is, I have a function God would have me fill. And by way of opening this morning, Oh, this poem, this poem from Mary Oliver called Morning, Mornings at Blackwater is so inviting um, because of the way she describes time. And it goes like this. For years, every morning, I drank from Blackwater Pond. It was flavored with oak leaves and also, no doubt, the feet of ducks. And always it assuaged me from the very dry bowl of the very far past. What I want to say is the past is the past, and the present is what your life is. And you are capable of choosing what that will be, darling citizen. So come to the pond, or the river of your imagination, or the harbor of your longing, and put your lips to the world and live your life. I have a function God would have me fill. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Love Thank that. You, Lori. Love that end. Thank you. Yeah, darling citizen. <laughs> I just love that poem. All right, my friends. Here's our reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Sandra, Karen, Jessica, and has anyone else joined us? Would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Hi, <clears throat> it's Robin okay, Marie. I'm Robin just getting Marie. to a spot. Hi, <laughs> I'm getting to a spot where uh-huh. I can read in my car. So yeah, put me on the list. I'll put you at the end. Alrighty. Thanks, Ram Marie. Now, um, I'm here without my books, so give me just a second, and I'll get to where we're reading. So I can start us off in Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, Section 1, Introduction, Paragraph 1. 
We said before that when a situation has been dedicated wholly to truth, peace is inevitable. Its attainment is the criterion by which the wholeness of the dedication can be safely assumed. Yet we also said that peace without faith will never be attained. For what is wholly dedicated to truth as its only goal is brought to truth by faith. This faith encompasses everyone involved, for only thus the situation is perceived as meaningful and as whole. And everyone must be involved in it, or else your faith is limited and your dedication incomplete. Lemoyne. Okay, chapter 19, Beyond the Body, Introduction. We said before that when a situation has been dedicated wholly to truth, peace is inevitable. Its attainment is the criterion by which the wholeness of the dedication can be safely assumed. Yet we also said that peace without faith will never be attained for what is wholly dedicated to truth as its only goal is brought to truth by faith. This faith encompasses everyone involved for only thus the situation is perceived as meaningful and as a whole. And everyone must be involved in it or else your faith is limited in your dedication incomplete. Every situation properly perceived becomes an opportunity to heal the Son of God. And he is healed because you offered faith to him, giving him to the Holy Spirit and releasing him from every demand your ego would make of him. Thus do you see him free and in this vision does the Holy Spirit share. And since he shares it, he has given it, and so he heals through you. It is this joining him in a united purpose which makes this purpose real because you make it whole. And this is healing. The body is healed because you came without it and joined the mind in which all healing rests. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran, if you'd like to read that paragraph and roll right into section two, please. Okay. Paragraph two. Every situation properly perceived becomes an opportunity to heal the Son of God. And he is healed because you offered faith to him, giving him to the Holy Spirit and releasing him from every demand your ego would make of him. Thus do you see him free, and in this vision does the Holy Spirit share. And since he shares it, he has given it, and so he heals through you. It is this joining him in the united purpose which makes this purpose real, because you make it whole. And this is healing. The body is healed, because you came without it, and join the mind in which all healing rests. Section 2. 
Healing and the Mind, Paragraph 3. The body cannot heal because it cannot make itself sick. It needs no healing. Its health or sickness depends entirely on how the mind perceives it and the purpose which the mind would use it for. And it is obvious that a segment of the mind can see itself as separated from the universal purpose. When this occurs, the body becomes its weapon used against this purpose to demonstrate the quote-unquote fact that separation has occurred. The body thus becomes the instrument of illusion, acting accordingly, seeing what is not there, hearing what truth has never said, and behaving insanely, being imprisoned by insanity. Thank you, Fran. And Sandra. Um, Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, Healing and the Mind. Three, the body cannot heal because it cannot make itself sick. It needs no healing. Its health or sickness depends entirely on how the mind perceives it and the purpose which the mind would use it for. And it is obvious that a segment of the mind can see itself as separated from the universal purpose. When this occurs, the body becomes its weapon used against this purpose to demonstrate the, quote, fact that separation has occurred. The body thus becomes the instrument of illusion, acting accordingly, seeing what is not there, hearing what truth has never said, and behaving insanely, being imprisoned by insanity. 4. Do not overlook our earlier statement that faithlessness leads straight to illusions. For faithlessness is the perception of a brother as a body, and the body cannot be used for purposes of union. If then you see your brother as a body, you have established a condition in which uniting with him becomes impossible. Your faithlessness to him has separated you from him and kept you both apart from being healed. Your faithlessness has thus opposed the Holy Spirit's purpose and brought illusions centered on the body and between you. And the body will seem to be sick, for you have made it, uh, for you have made of it an enemy, in quotes, of healing and the opposite of truth. Thank you, Sandra. And Karen. Four. Do not overlook our earlier statement that faithlessness leads straight to illusions. For faithlessness is the perception of a brother as a body, and the body cannot be used for purposes of union. If, then, you see your brother as a body, you have established a condition in which uniting with him becomes impossible. Your faithlessness to him 
has separated you from him and kept you both apart from being healed. Your faithlessness has thus opposed the Holy Spirit's purpose and brought illusions centered on the body to stand between you. And the body will seem to be sick, for you have made of it an quote-unquote enemy of healing and the opposite of truth. Five, it cannot be difficult to realize that faith must be the opposite of faithlessness. Yet the difference in how they operate is less apparent, though it follows directly from the fundamental difference in what they are. Faithlessness would always limit and attack. Faith would remove all limitations and make whole. Faithlessness would destroy and separate. Faith will unite, would unite and heal. Faithlessness would interpose illusions between the Son of God and his Creator. Faith would remove all obstacles that seem to rise between them. Faithlessness is wholly dedicated to illusions. Faith wholly dedicated to truth. Partial dedication is impossible. Truth is the absence of illusion. Illusion, the absence of truth. Thank you, Karen. And Jessica. Five. It cannot be difficult to realize that faith must be the opposite of faithlessness. Yet the difference in how they operate is less apparent, though it follows directly from the fundamental difference in what they are. Faithlessness would always limit and attack. Faith would remove all limitations and make whole. Faithlessness would destroy and separate. (laughs) Separate. Um, Faith would unite and heal. Sorry. Faithlessness would interpose illusions between the Son of God and his Creator. Faith would remove all obstacles that seem to rise between them. Faithlessness is wholly dedicated to illusions. Faith, wholly to truth. Partial dedication dedication is impossible. Truth is the absence of illusion. Illusion, the absence of truth. Six, both cannot be together nor perceived in the same place. To dedicate yourself to both is to set up a goal forever impossible to attain, for part of it is sought through the body, thought of as a means for seeking out reality through attack, while the other part would heal and therefore calls upon the mind and not the body. The inevitable compromise is the belief that the body must be healed and not the mind. For this divided goal has given both an equal reality. 
which could be possible only if the mind is limited to the body and divided into little parts of seeming wholeness but without connection. This will not harm the body, but it will keep the delusional thought system in the mind. Thank you, Jessica. And Robin Marie? Truth is the absence of illusion. Illusion, the absence of truth. Six, both cannot be together nor perceived in the same place. To dedicate yourself to both is to set up a goal forever impossible to attain. For a part of it is sought through the body, thought of as a means for seeking out reality through attack, while the other part would heal and therefore calls upon the mind and not the body. The inevitable compromise is the belief that the body must be healed and not the mind. For this divided goal has given both an equal reality, which could be possible only if the mind is limited to the body and divided into little parts of seeming wholeness, but without connection. This will not harm the body, but it will keep the delusional thought system in the mind. Here then, oh, seven, here then is healing needed, and it is here that healing is. For God gave healing not apart from sickness, nor established remedy where sickness cannot be. They are together, and when they are seen together, all attempts to keep both truth and illusion in the mind, where both must be, are recognized as dedication to illusion, and given up when brought to truth, and seen as totally irreconcilable with truth in any respect or in any way. Thank you, Robin Marie. And would there be any reading for reader for paragraphs seven and eight, please? Yes, I would love to, Lori. Jude. Hi, guys. Hey. Thanks, Judy. Seven. Here, oh, beyond the body. I just love this. Beyond the body, healing and the mind. Here, then, is healing needed. And it is here that healing is. For God gave healing not apart from sickness, nor established remedy where sickness cannot be. They are together. And when they are seen together, all attempts to keep both truth and illusions in the mind, where both must be, are recognized as dedication to illusion and given up when brought to truth and seen as totally irreconcilable with truth in any respect or in any way. Truth and illusion have no connection. This will remain forever true, however much you seek to connect them. But illusions are always connected, as is truth. Each is united a complete thought system, but totally disconnected to each other. Where there is no overlap, 
their separation must be complete. And to perceive this is to recognize where separation is and where it must be healed. The result of an idea is never separate from its source. The idea of separation produced the body and remains connected to it, making it sick, making the mind sick because of its identification with it. You think you are protecting the body by hiding this connection, for this concealment seems to keep your identification safe from the, quote, attack, unquote, of truth. Very important. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And would there be another reader for 8 and 9, please? Hi, this is Tricia. Hi, good to me. Thank you, Tricia, and welcome. Thank you. 8. Truth and illusion have no connection. This will remain forever true, however much you seek to connect them. But illusions are always connected, as is truth. Each is united, a complete thought system, but totally disconnected from each other. Where there is no overlap, there is their separation must be complete. And to perceive this is to recognize where separation is and where it must be healed. The result of an idea is never separate from its source. The idea of separation produced the body and remains connected to it, making it sick because of its identification with it. Nine, you think you are protecting the body by hiding this connection, for this concealment seems to keep your identification safe from the, quote, attack, unquote, of truth. If you but understood how much this strange concealment has hurt your mind and how confused your own identification has become to you because of it, you do not see how great the devastation wrought by your faithlessness. For faithlessness is an attack which seems to be justified by its results. For by withholding faith, you see only what is unworthy of it and cannot look beyond the barrier of what is joined with you. Thank you, Tricia. And would there be another new reader for 9 and 10? I can read, Laurie, Lana. Thank you, Lana. Nine, if you but understood how much the strange concealment has hurt your mind and how confused your own identification has become because of it, you do not see how great the devastation wrought by your faithlessness. For faithlessness is an attack 
which seems to be justified by its results. For by withholding faith, you see what is unworthy of it and cannot look beyond the barrier to what is joined with you. 10. To have faith is to heal. It is a sign that you have accepted the atonement for yourself and would therefore share it. By faith, you offer the gift of freedom from the past, which you received. You do not use anything your brother has done before to condemn him now. You freely choose to overlook his errors, looking past all barriers between yourself and his, and seeing them as one. And in that one, you see your faith is fully justified. There is no justification for faithlessness, but faith is always justified. Thank you, Lana. And is there another narrator for 10 and 11? Please. Good morning. This is Donna, and yes, I can read 10 and 11. Thanks, Donna. 10. To have faith is to heal. It is the sign that you have, been, you have accepted the atonement for yourself and would therefore share it. By faith, you offer the gift of freedom from the past, which you received. You do not use anything your brother has done before to condemn him now. You freely choose to overlook his errors, looking past all barriers between yourself and his and seeing them as one. And in that one, you see your faith is fully justified. There is no justification for faithlessness, but faith is always justified. 11. Faith is the opposite of fear, as much a part of love as fear is of attack. Faith is acknowledged. Faith is the acknowledgement of union. It is the gracious acknowledgement of everyone as a son of your loving Father, loved by him like you, and therefore loved by you as yourself. It is his love that joins you, and for his love you would keep no one separate from yours. Each one appears just as he is perceived in the holy instant, united in your purpose to be released from guilt. You saw the Christ in him, and he was healed because you looked on what makes faith forever justified in everyone. Thank you, Donna. And is there another new reader for 11 and 12? All right, back to you, Lemoyne.
Pardon me. I should know what no for five. Okay. <laughs> Eleven and twelve. Yeah. Faith is the opposite of fear, as much a part of love as fear is of attack. Faith is the acknowledgement of union. It is the gracious acknowledgement of everyone as a son of your most loving father, loved by him like you, and therefore loved by you as yourself. It is his love that joins you. And for his love, you would keep no one separate from yours. Each one appears just as he is perceived in the holy instant, united in your purpose to be released from guilt. You saw the Christ in him, and he was healed because you looked on what makes for faith forever justified in everyone. Faith is the gift of God through him whom God has given you. Baselessness looks upon the Son of God and judges him unworthy of forgiveness. But through the eyes of faith, the Son of God is seen already forgiven, free of all the guilt he laid upon himself. Faith sees him only now because it looks not to the past to judge him, but would see him only, see in him, only what it would see in you. It sees not through the body's eyes, nor looks to bodies for its justification. It is the messenger of the new perception sent forth to gather witnesses unto its coming and to return their messages to you. Faith is as easily exchanged for knowledge as is the real world. For faith arises from the Holy Spirit's perception and is the sign you share it with him. Faith is a gift you offer the Son of God through him and wholly acceptable to his Father as to him. And therefore, offered you Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. Twelve. Faith is the gift of God, through him whom God has given you. Faithlessness looks upon the Son of God and judges him unworthy of forgiveness. But through the eyes of faith, the Son of God is seen already forgiven, free of all the guilt he laid upon himself. Faith sees him only now, because it looks not to the past to judge him, but would see in him only what it would see in you. It sees not through the body's eyes, nor looks to bodies for its justification. It is the messenger of the new perception sent forth to gather witnesses unto its coming and to return their messages to you. Faith is as easily exchanged for knowledge as is the real world. For faith arises from the Holy Spirit's perception and is the sign you share with him. Faith is a gift you offer to the Son of God through him and wholly acceptable to his Father as to him. 
and therefore offered you. 13. Your holy relationship with its new purpose offers you faith to give unto each other. Your faithlessness has driven you apart, and so you did not recognize salvation in each other. Yet faith unites you in the holiness you see, not through the body's eyes, but in the sight of him who joined you and in whom you are united. Grace is not given to a body, but to a mind, and the mind that receives it looks instantly beyond the body and sees the holy place where it was healed. There is the altar where the grace was given, in which it stands. Do you then offer grace and blessing to each other, for you stand at the same altar where grace was laid for both of you? And be you healed by grace together, that you may heal through faith. Thank you, Fran. Sandra. 13. Your holy relationship with its new purpose offers you faith to give unto each other. Your faithlessness had driven you apart, and so you did not recognize salvation in each other. Yet faith unites you in the holiness you see, not through the body's eyes, but in the sight of him who joined you and in whom you are united. Grace is not given to a body, but to a mind. And the mind that receives it looks instantly beyond the body and sees the holy place where it was healed. There is the altar where the grace was given, in which it stands. Do you then offer grace and blessing to each other? For you stand at the same altar where grace was laid for both of you, and be you healed by grace together, that you may heal through faith. 14. In the holy instant, you stand before the altar God has raised unto himself and both of you. Lay faithlessness aside and come to it together. There will you see the miracle of your relationship as it was made again through faith. And there it is that you will realize that there is nothing faith cannot forgive. No error interferes with its calm sight, which brings the miracle of healing with equal ease to all of them. For what the messengers of love are sent to do, they do, returning the glad tidings that it was done to you who stand together before the altar from which they were sent forth. Thank you, Sandra. And Karen. In the holy you stand before the altar God has raised unto himself and both of you. Lay faithlessness aside and come to it together. There you will see the miracle of your relationship as it was made again through faith. And there it is that you will realize that there is nothing faith cannot forgive. No error interferes with its calm sight, which brings the miracle of healing 
with equal ease to all of them. For what the messengers of love are sent to do, they do, returning the glad tidings that it was done to you who stand together before the altar from which they were both they from which they were sent forth. Fifteen. As faithlessness will keep your little kingdoms barren and separate, so will faith help the Holy Spirit prepare the ground for the most holy garden which he would make of it. For faith brings peace, and so it calls on truth to enter and make lovely what has already been prepared for loveliness. Truth follows faith and peace, completing the process of making lovely which they begin. For faith is still a learning goal, no longer needed when the lesson has been learned. Yet truth will stay forever. Thank you, Karen. And Jessica. Fifteen. As faithlessness will keep your little kingdoms barren and separate, so will faith help the Holy Spirit prepare the ground for the most holy garden which he would make of it. For faith brings peace, and so it calls on truth to enter and make lovely what has already been prepared for loveliness. Truth follows faith and peace, completing the process of making lovely, which they begin. For faith is still a learning goal, no longer needed when the lesson has been learned. Yet truth will stay forever. 16. Let then your dedication be to the eternal, let then your dedication be to the eternal and learn how not to interfere with it and make it slave to time. For what you think you do to the eternal, you do to you. Whom God created as his son is slave to nothing, being Lord of all along with his creator. You can enslave a body, but an idea is free, incapable of being kept in prison or limited in any way except by the mind that thought it. For it remains joined to its source, which is its jailer, or its liberator, according to which it chooses as its purpose for itself. Thank you, Jessica. And Robert Marie, if you'd like to complete today with paragraph 16. Let, <clears throat> let then your dedication be to the eternal and learn how not to interfere with it and make it slave to time. For what you think you do to the eternal, you do to you whom God created as his son is slave to nothing, being Lord of all along with his, being Lord of all 
along with his creator. You can't enslave a body, but an idea is free, incapable of being kept in prison or limited in any way, except by the mind that thought it. For it remains joined to its source, which is its jailer or its liberator, according to which it chooses as its purpose for itself. Thank you, Robert Marie, and thank you everyone who read this morning. And uh, before we go to the top of the hour, I thought just to um, reread paragraph 10 to set the stage for our meditation and our lesson today. Paragraph 10, to have faith is to heal. It is the sign that you have accepted the atonement for yourself and would therefore share it. By faith, you offer the gift of freedom from the past, which you received. You do not use anything your brother has done before to condemn him now. You freely choose to overlook his errors, looking past all barriers between yourself and his, and seeing them as one. And in that one, you see your faith is fully justified. There is no justification for faithlessness. But faith is always justified. Amen. And uh, Fran, once again, with our gratitude, we'll turn it over to you for our review of Lesson 212 today. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. And thanks for reading that paragraph. I love that last sentence. It's so perfect. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and we are on Review 6. And today we're on Lesson 212, which is the review of of Lesson 192, I Have a Function God Would Have Me Fill. So I'm just going to read the first paragraph again, (laughs) and uh, then we'll go over to our five-minute practice for the uh, lesson. Review 6. For this review, we take but one idea each day and practice it as often as is possible. Besides the time we give morning and evening, which should not be less than 15 minutes, and the hourly remembrance we make throughout the day, use the idea as often as you can between them. Each of these ideas alone would be sufficient for salvation if it were were learned truly. Each would be enough to give release to you and to the world from every form of bondage and invite the memory of God to come again. With this in mind, we start our practicing. With this in mind, we start our practicing in which we carefully review the thoughts the Holy Spirit has bestowed on us in our last 20 lessons. So now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 212. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. I have a function God would have me fill. I seek the function that would set me free from all the vain illusions of the world. Only the function God has given me can offer freedom. Only this I seek 
and only this will I accept as mine. I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. We'll take our five minutes now.
Lesson 212. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. I have a function God would have me fill. I seek the function that would set me free from all the vain illusions of the world. Only the function God has given me can offer freedom. Only this I seek, and only this will I accept as mine. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Amen. Thank you, friend. That was lovely. Thank you, guys. Thank you, friend. This is Donna. And in, in our um, meditation with 212, I've had this morning, and I didn't realize it until after I wrote it, and I thought, well, that's what I lived this morning. <clears throat> I've had a very eventful experience. But anyway, I was, what came to me was when we are led by the Holy Spirit, all our activity we respond to will be brought to us through the Holy Spirit's guidance. And our true purpose, moment to moment, will happen. And that occurred, that happened to me today. My every step was ordered by the Lord, which made me a little tardy, but he also, because my intention was to be on time, reminded me, uh, you had got sins. <laughs> and I stopped and went. But this uh, psalm, uh, 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 scripture from Psalm 119 came to me, uh, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing will offend them or shall offend them. And I thought, what does that mean? What experience am I having? Because I'm living the first sentence of our lesson about peace and what came to me was that now that we have this situation of peace in my case or we will we will not resist events with the attitude we once did we will not resist events with the attitude we once did. I used to come to every trial and tribulation with the attitude of resisting, and now I let it, and peace has come because of that. I'm so grateful for all of you and that we're one in Christ. I am complete. That was beautiful, Donna. It is beautiful. Small things as well as large. Thank you, very much. Thank you Donna. Thank you, Donna. Great. Let it be, let it be. <laughs> Loved it. Thank you.
Good morning, this is Sandra. And um, to follow what you were saying, Donna, this, this is really, these words, this text is, is, is telling me my relationship with my Creator. And that's key, that's first and foremost. But now that I have a relationship with my Creator, and it's it's a it's a strong one because I spend time with my creator every single day. Now my creator is telling me how I'm supposed to have a relationship with my brothers and sisters. I'm supposed to see my brothers and sisters the way God sees them, <laughs> not the way my ego sees them, and my ego wants to judge them. I'm being told that I cannot judge my brothers and sisters because I cannot see the whole picture but I can but I'm being told how to see them I'm told to see them the way God sees them to see the Christ in them to see the God in them to see the good in them and that's where my faith is my faith is in my relationship with God and my faith is in the truth that God is telling me in this whole book that I and my brother are one there is no separation and how that looks for me is to, is to be grateful for my life exactly the way it is and accept my life exactly the way it is and just have nothing but gratitude. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. That was so lovely. Good morning, it's Lana. Oops, go ahead. No, that's right, Lana. It just reminded me of the quote, as within, so without. So thank you, Sandra. That was it. Thanks. Oh, thank you for that, Laurie. It's, it's so true. It's um, For me, there's words, I'm not a body. I am free. I am just as God created me. We say them so often that they can come, at least for me, they can come become like a cliche and the meaning lost. But it's one of the most profound statements that are made in the Course because it's pointing me to my spirit identification. It's reminding me not to relate to my body as who I am. That's not the source of anything, but it is uh, a neutral ground which will obey the directions given it, and it and the directions come from my mind. And if my mind is associated with believing that my body is who I am, then there's thoughts of the ego about it being sick or by it about it being not whole and complete and perfect will pervade it and it will manifest that way in my experience. But if I remember that the body is my servant for communication of the love of God and that's its function. If I remember I am spirit and I always have to remember this. <laughs> it takes, it really does take vigilance to remember that I come from unity. I am a shared identity. There is no separate Lana. 
uh, that's walking the world alone. You know, that, that that's just an idea I had that I believe to be true. My truth is in unity. And when I'm coming from unity, I'm coming from the wholeness of God. Then, you know, when I when I channel messages from Jesus, they're coming from Christ consciousness. They're coming from the unity of what I am. I being part of that unity. And that's the all-powerful truth of who I am in you. And, and I love that, you know, I wouldn't want anybody to judge me based on my past. Oh, my God. <laughs> so why would I feel it's okay to judge a brother based on his past. You know, um, that holy instant is where I meet my brother. That holy instant of now, which is free of the past, that's my meeting place. And just one other thing I wanted to share is I love it gives us a view, a visual of an altar where my brother and I can walk hand in hand together and give ourselves together to God on that altar in unity or if even if it's an idea I've come to believe I can bring that idea and give it to Holy Spirit by placing it on an altar and visuals always help me so much I, I feel the healing of my heart as just this ugliness transformed into a brilliant light in the center of my being and it's so healing to watch it transform, you know. So this first section, this first chapter, or this chapter, this first section and the introduction are very, very powerful to me. They're such a great reminder of always going back to unity when I want to find my true self and remembering that I'm not a body, I'm free. I'm free in the unity of God, but I'm a prisoner if I make myself into a body and believe that's who I am and who my brother is. We, it, a body becomes a barrier between us, a separation device. But dropped for a moment in this holy instant, I can see the truth and perceive the truth of my brother and myself, that we're united, we're in unity with God and the sonship is one. And we heal together. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Oh, that was so lovely, Lana. Thank you. Oh, uh, thank you, Lana. Hi guys, this lesson, oh, and this this beginning of the new chapter, Beyond the Body, um, this is really where the rubber meets the road, the disassociation from the what's false, my false identification with the body. Now, what do I, what am I learning to identify with to replace that? You know, bodies in a world, in 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 separate minds, um, which is the old paradigm that comes from the old thought system that 
is a complete thought system that I, I need to um, flip and reverse. It's backwards and upside down. So it's, it's total and complete. And this, you know, this idea of, of it being a whole and complete thought system that I am in God's mind, one mind with God, and everything that the body's eyes perceives is an idea in the mind of God regardless of the name, the definition, the meaning of the purpose that we've given it. It's one thing. It's God. It's all God, the expression of God. And to know that I am love itself, that I am one with my source, the source of all of this expression, expressions of itself, that love loves totality, loves the rea- totality of that. Its reality is one and the same in spirit. It's formless. It's attributeless. You can't define it, grasp it, or touch it. It has no limits or no boundaries. It's everywhere all the time. The truth is true, and it's everywhere all the time already. And to, to see what is invisible is something that takes, takes my wholehearted participation. I have to to relinquish what my body's eyes see and wholeheartedly embrace the fact of how God created me to be. One whole mind and one whole spirit and everything is me and a part of me and completes me. And that I would not deny that I complete God and that God completes me and that God is everything. And, and when God gave me himself within me, when I look inside of me, there's nothing lacking in me. And I love the idea of the um, uh, garden coming up because I, I, I'm, I'm holding, holding that idea of the, the garden of Eden as being a state of mind, a state of heaven, where God created his son, it's one son, and it's a state of mind that's whole and complete and in union, total inter, interbeingness that there's no line or demarcation or differentiation. Even if things are seen as being different or distinct, it's interbeingness is, is, is never denied. But the, I, I love the idea of the lesson talking about freedom. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. I am as God created me. And, I, you know, this, if I'm free, then everything else I see is free. I can't put anything else into the bondage or box of what I would think it is or think it should be. I can't define it or name it. I have to ask it. I have to welcome it. I have to be open-minded and say, what's happening here? I don't <laughs> This is a brand new day. Some, some uh, little, some crow brought a baby, baby crow to the, trees that has an open space in between the limbs in my yard and he was teaching him how to fly from one limb to the to the next and I thought what a blessing you know and and um how something new is presenting itself every day but that perception the end of perception is the end of learning that we have learned what we need to let go of and that my function is forgiveness and what is forgiveness except letting go of my judgment on everything and anything, including 
Judy and her body and everybody in their body and anything they say or do or I do, anything that's happening, that I would not judge God's total reality, its total expression, that I would not be in conflict with any of it, in opposition to it, that the mind is where the healing needs to happen. And it's only in my mind that I can be in conflict. And to have faith and peace and have trust and faith in... Ooh, I guess I heard it. And uh, last, lastly, I would like to, to just say um, to be free from time, the way Donna beautifully expressed her experience this morning that the truth is always true, it's always already here, it's changeless, and that we are changeless and constant and consistent in our function of forgiveness. We're happy, we're joyous, and we're free, and it's, we're not bound by time whatsoever. It's always here and always now. And only I can put myself in bondage and make myself suffer or deprive myself there I go, there I go, long enough. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. That's just such a beautiful... Yeah. Thanks, Judy. This is Wendy. Um, my experience has been that the more I forgive whatever appears to be obnoxious or out of line or blah, blah, blah. A little bit more of the truth is revealed. I'm able to see a little, a better peek into the divinity of somebody that if I didn't practice non-judgment, if I wasn't aware of my impact on my own vision, uh, I, I would continue to see somebody that, you know, needed to be told they were wrong. <laughs> but as, as these lessons really take hold and I have more and more motivation to be forgiving, to say, let me look beyond what my old mind would have seen and look for the divine in this person, call the Holy Spirit forth. I know you're in there. I'm not seeing you yet, but I know you're in there. Then a little bit more of the veil is, uh, is thinned. And I'm, I'm guessing eventually all you'll see is God in, every, in all kinds of costumes and all kinds of appearances. But I feel like that is our function. Recognize who's actually here. I'm complete. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, thank you so oh, much. Thank you, Wendy. You know, that, that's exactly it. I'm sorry. I'm saying that's exactly how it plays out for me, too, Wendy. It's, it's forgiveness. The more I forgive, the thinner the veil drops between myself and my brother, and 
And I said the same thing about my roommate when I first moved in here. You know, my, I affectionately call him Archie Bunker, but it's like I made the decision. I know the crisis in you somewhere, <laughs> and I'm going to find it. And I did. I found his gentle heart, and underneath that stern um, persona, you know, that he shows the world. But I know I, I've seen his Christ, and and that's what I focus on. And that's the same with everyone. Um, right now, I'm healing some ideas about my daughter and um, it's through forgiveness that her Christ and her perfection returns to my mind so thank you for that reminder it's so true forgiveness is the way we find our truth in ourselves and our brothers it's our only function here thank you Lana this is Lori, and I just want to testify to the blessing of being seen that way by you, Wendy. Um, I'm so grateful. I'm complete. You know, there's a great movie about that exact idea called The Best of Enemies. And it's about an African-American woman who, uh, you know, the the school for the black children had burned down and they wanted to move the black kids into the white kids school. This is in the sixties in the South in Durham, North Carolina. And a guy who heads the KKK is dead set against it. And they come up against each other in, you know, uh, council meetings and this kind of thing. But eventually her, her loving heart wins him over and he changes sides and they go on tours for the rest of their days to talk about how racism can be overcome by love. It's a beautiful film. And uh, it, gives, it gives you hope that no matter how evil somebody might appear to you with love, it could be transformed into a Holy Spirit person. I'm complete. Can I say the title again, please? Yeah. The, the Best of Enemies. Oh, thanks, Wendy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. That sounds good. Thank you, Wendy. This is Iva. Hi. Um, so, a big way that I know if I'm in my ego is if I'm perceiving lack. If I feel like there's a lack of love, a lack of health, a lack of money, a lack of ideas, or a lack of anything in my life or in this world, um, I know I need to go back and do what Wendy said, which is forgive. Forgive myself. Forgive whoever I think the bad guy is. Forgive God forgive Jesus. It doesn't really matter who I forgive as long as I actually do forgive. So I can come back to that peace and that, you know, with capital P, presence of God in my heart. Thank you. I'm complete. Beautiful, Ida. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. That was beautiful. 
Ida, I also find the idea of recognizing lack as a, an indication that you're in ego consciousness. Because it is a subtle thing that, you know, announces itself regularly, oh, there's not enough of this, or oh, I need that, or blah, 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 instead of being in the state of consciousness of abundance. That's really helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, Wendy. And I'm reminded, Ida, of how you shared with me um, the loveliness of sharing lessons with your roommate uh, last week and what a blessing that was. It's like um, there wasn't even a question of forgiveness. You were just sharing lessons with her and that turned out to be a blessing to both of you. That's that's pretty powerful, my dear. Thank you. Thank you. And you're welcome. I had some fear come up before I did that, before I do those things, just out and out say the title of a lesson to somebody who has most likely never heard of it before, uh, fear of being somehow thought of as crazy or ostracized or in, in some subtle way, any of those types of things. But it never happened. I did share. It never happened. Some people say now is the time for that, but guess what? Since it's always only now, now is always the time for that, and there's never anything to fear. There's never anything to, fear has nothing to give us, and so we can let that go. Thank you. Yeah, that was a great example. I'm sure she asked because she saw how you were released from fear. So, how cool is that? Thanks, Ida. Good morning, Karen. Uh, Karen, then Donna. Is that okay? Um, that was good to me. Faith and faithlessness. In faith, the Course is telling me that all things perceived correctly are working toward my good, toward my healing. Um, in faith, I don't see the world form as an absolute reality. I see it as something that God is giving me to work with for my curriculum, whatever that is. Um, in faithlessness, I'm caught off guard. And I think this, this world of bodies is reality. So I have a couple examples. I was visiting my granddaughter on Saturday, and she was whiny and fussy all day long. And I relied on past learning, and I looked at her like she was a little body, you know. Maybe she's spoiled. <laughs> maybe she's merged with her father and this is the emotional energy that she's picking up from the people who are taking care of her 
you know, it wasn't like my mind went to faith. In faith, it would be like parting the curtain and going into the holy instant and not treating her like she's a body and not treating the situation like my past learning is guiding me along as to what I'm seeing. Um, When I came home and I thought about it for a long time, I meditated on it, and I realized, you know, I didn't find the holy instant. If I had had faith to find it, I probably could have found it. Probably could have met her in that eternal love that is past um, this world. And in the Holy Spirit, our eyes would have met, and she would have been shaken out of that whatever. Instead, I came home and I felt irritable and, you know, kind of exhausted. And um, so that's an innocent example. I mean, it's the most innocent example. If you apply that to a political person or you apply that to, like, my son-in-law, I mean, then it gets, like, really sticky, you know, because there's so much more going on. But the lesson is the same. Meet your brother in faith. Don't hold his task against him. Hold him in the light and ask for the holy instant. With the Holy Spirit, find the love, find the purity, find the connection. And um, I had another experience last week, which seems also, again, very innocuous, but it was like this big spiritual lesson. Um, Last week we were focusing on that ring of fire, that place of the mind where it's still self-identified with ego, still projecting the false world, the world of bodies, the world of um, egoic perceptions, looking, sending out its um, falsehood and wanting to, you know, collect the messengers that support its false beliefs. Um, I applied for a passport on May 22nd. I went to the post office. I brought all my documentation. I paid almost $200. And I submitted my, my canceled, my expired passport. And I got a letter on Friday, and it said, it had a form in it, lost your stolen passport. And it said, please fill out what happened to your 2014 passport. And the post office mailed it in with all of the paperwork, and I was so careful. It was very meticulous to do everything precisely correct, very precise. And I got so mad when I, because you can't call the State Department. There's no number to get. I called the post office, and they said, well, that's at their end because we mailed it out. And all these emotions from childhood of feeling helpless and feeling like, oh, I tried to do everything right and it all came out wrong anyway, um, that's the ring of fire. The place to sink into, into source and into truth would have been the layer below that. Well, if I'm supposed to get a passport, it's all going to work out. I think the next right step is to write to the State Department and then drop it. But instead, that ring of fire with all those, it's like a layer of falsehood where there's emotions. And, and I have a question about it because my question is, um, and it's always the same question, is there something here in this layer of fire that I have to feel so that it will be healed, you know, to undo it? 
or do I just sink right down and say this isn't true? Because in my experience in the past, I mean, I, I spent a lot of years in spiritual community, and I used to be able to instantly drop down, but nothing was ever undone. You know, is it that I have to feel like that because the, the emotions were so powerful. I was just feeling so much rage, like I did everything perfectly and look what happened. And that could be like a childhood theme. <laughs> you know, I said the rosary on the side of the bed and I still got this, this, and this happened to me. You know, I did everything my mother expected of me and this, this, and this still happened. I mean, it was like this whole avalanche of emotions. And I'm asking, how do we, is it enough to just drop into source and deny? Or is it to be felt? Like in the song, um, there's a song by Linda Worcester, Jesus, my brother, come heal my heart. There's peace missing, which I'd hope to find. And my life's leaking out through the hole left behind, leaving me helpless, broken, and blind. Breathe on me, Jesus. Uh, Jesus, please heal it. If pain is my teacher, just let me feel it. You know, so the question is, are we supposed to feel this garbage that's not real with the help of the Holy Spirit, of course, invoking the Holy Spirit? Is that how the purification is or the undoing? Or is it just drop into source? This level isn't real. These are just clouds. This is just mist. I can drop in and be free of it. And I'm just going to add one more thing. When um, last week sometime, you know, toward the end of the week, maybe over the weekend, I had this moment where I woke up in the middle of the night and I was in terror. I was just feeling terror, a terror of so many things going on in the world, family stuff. And I instantly said, this is the ring of fear. This is the ring of fear. I'm not afraid of the fear. I know I am one with source. And I dropped into that place, and the fear was gone instantly. It dissolved instantly. And I don't know why I could do it with fear, and I can't do it with anger. Okay, I am not a body. I am spirit. I am spirit. My baby granddaughter is not a body. She is spirit. And I related to her like she was body, so that was my mistake. My function is to forgive, which is to give up these illusions of my ego identity, the false self, emotions, and the body, and stop perceiving the world as the false reality. I'm complete. Go, Karen. (laughs) Oh, I hear you. Am I on mute? Uh-oh. <laughs> am, I, am I on mute? We hear you, Judy. No, we, we hear you. We hear you. Oh, good. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just cheering Karen on. I, 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 self, 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 me, me, me. That's what I needed to discern. Who was the I that was having the thoughts? Who was the I that was the feelings were arising uh, on who was the eye on whose behalf the feelings of fear was arising, and learning to let go of the ownership, saying, "This is mine, this is my house, this is my car, because nothing, nothing 
is actually in reality owned by anybody because, you know, know, let's take it a step further and say there is no body because there are no bodies. But if we can't get that intellectually, in order to discern the truth that everything is God, ideas in the mind of God, that everything is source, that there is nothing that is not source, that it's, it's something the ego mind does in its separation. It claims this and that is mine. This body is mine. I don't claim Karen's body is mine. I claim this body is mine. But to, to say that I'm a body and then see someone else as a body is to validate my mis, misappraisal, my misinterpretation of just seeing bodies, bodies and bodies and more bodies, that we are not bodies, nobody is a body, that everything is spirit, everything is an idea, everything is, that is real in reality cannot be discerned with the body's eyes. That's why the undoing, the complete purification, is that we will not perceive at all. Perception completely will be undone. There will be no need for senses or perceptions through a body, totally making the body unnecessary. The limit that the body was made to limit us and our knowledge as being one total love. That, I mean, it's, it's big. It's bigger than the little me. We have to let the little me go completely because the point, the point of the little I self in me is always the I that's referring to itself as the story. And I hear people speak of this, that they know they're not their story, but then every day they come back with their new daily story. And it's like, <laughs> are you listening to your self-talk? And are we listening to our self-talk about who it is we're saying we are when we refer to ourselves in our stories? Or are we just a public event? You know, that we're, what we're speaking of is an opinion what we think about things, how we conceptualize. I conceptualize myself as a body. My senses are are one with the universe. Smelling, touching, tasting. There's no boundary or line of demarcation between that which I touch and see and sense. I put the conceptualization of, of skin in a package in a body and claim it, claim those sensorial experiences as mine, I, me, and and mine. They're mine. They're not. They're just senses and experiences and perceptions. It's the mini-me that's claiming them and owning them. And in the text, it speaks of this this ownership and possessiveness that I'm special, I have more somebody who has less. All these ideas of sacrifice, loss and gain come from this separation, sense of separation in and ownership. So it's, it's really looking inward at Jude and how Jude claims and owns and possesses 
and tries to to interpret reality through that ownership and possession of it. That's the clear seeing, seeing it through. And that's what makes me suffer, that I think it is mine. None of it is mine. None of it is mine to judge or own or claim. It's a big, happy public event. It's God's reality. And when I start looking at it, I lose that way. I lose my sense of bondage to it, a sense of, of being a victim of it, a sense of having the need or desire to control it, because I recognize my total inability to do that. It really doesn't have anything to do with Jude's interpretation of it or need to control it or direct it or even define it. So it's a one or the other point of view. I'm either looking at the world through a mini-me people through a fence and missing the whole parade, or I'm looking at the whole parade and saying, I really don't know what's happening here, but I'm going to bring some love and peace and joy and absolute awe to it because this is really nuts, being on a planet, spinning around in a universe. Okay, there, there then. <laughs> I'll, I'll be still now. <laughs> I love you guys. I, I have no wish to suffer, and I don't want anyone else to suffer and to be relieved of the bondage to the illusion of sin, sickness, suffering, and death that perception would make of us. Hear, hear. Don't miss an opportunity. Hi, it's Jen. Be glad. I, I'd love to respond to that, but I know that Donna was waiting. But I just want to say that, you know, the Course keeps directing us to find our blockages and to uh, ask the Holy Spirit to undo the things in places that we're stuck. Everybody isn't in a place emotional, body-wise, or even mental, perception-wise, where they can just shift gears into the holy, perfect child of God you know, I mean, if that were the truth, boy, would I have already been there. And I'm going to stop right there because Donna was waiting. I'm complete. Thanks, Karen. Go ahead, Donna. Thank you all, but we're never really waiting. There's a time for everything. Uh, <clears throat> I was going to... I'm going to start out with just one little thing because I think this was what I was going to bring up. But this first sentence, we said before that when a situation has been dedicated wholly to truth, peace is inevitable. Yesterday after I came, I go to a Christ, uh, a Christ scientist church on Sunday afternoon. Everybody in there, <laughs> is, their life is trying to live uh, science and health, which is another wording of Course in Miracles. That um, so, I have I have I've been getting this sense, and I saw a word written someplace. I don't know in what book. I saw the word serenity. I said, "Oh, that's what I'm living, serenity." And yesterday, when I opened up to to catch up on the reading, which is an answer to a prayer uh, at a miracle I got Sunday two weeks ago to be more orderly. And um, so I got this sentence and read this this morning, and I said, 
it's, peace is inevitable. And I said, wow. Because I then wrote over the word situation. Situation. We said before that when any, when a situation such as excruciating, screaming, sciatica pain has been dedicated wholly to the truth, peace is inevitable. I have no fear. I have no out of sortness. I feel a peace and a serenity even though this pain is telling me something. So <clears throat> so while Karen was speaking and followed um <laughs> so thank you, Karen. So following uh Judy, this is what came to me and I'm reading it as I got it. Holy Spirit is speaking through every instant in our life. God's grace is sufficient for everything that comes up for healing in this dream we walk as failing, time-bound, or boastful human beings. So also earlier I heard uh, someone talking about enemies, and I have found this excruciating pain and what I used to call my enemies as the best friends I've ever had. And St. Paul was told by God when he was complaining about the thorn in his side after him doing so much work for God, and God said to him, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. So thank you, everyone. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Donna, thank you, Donna and Judy. This is Lana, and I I just loved what everybody would share with you. But I just wanted to respond to Karen very quickly. Um, you know, Jesus says that the only correct use of denial is in the denial of the denial of truth. We can never understand nothingness. You know, the past, when it comes forward in the present, or seems to, is just fear. It's gift-wrapped in a thousand different forms, but it all represents the same fear. And the only remedy is to return to mind to love, which is the same as saying, return to mind to God. And, and you had a beautiful demonstration of that when you had that terrifying dream. You didn't seek to understand the dream or figure out if it was trying to teach you something. That's just the ego trying to keep you stuck in the dream and and distracting you from returning your mind to truth. You went directly to God, and the fear disappeared. And that's the case, at least in my experience, for everything. I'm no longer trying to figure out and waste my time trying to figure out illusions because there's no understanding in them. You can't understand nothingness. So the remedy for everything that seems unlike love, for me in my experience, is return the mind to love. It's, you know, it's kind of like a stop, drop, and pray. <laughs> you know, you just stop your thinking mind for an instant, just a holy instant, and remind yourself that 
that isn't true. I'm believing in something that's not real. I'm returning my mind to God. I'm turning everything over to God. I don't understand what anything means in this moment. And I just surrender unto you. And for me, whether it's physical pain, you know, my spinal stenosis, or whether it's a situation in my life, that's always the one solution. He makes it very easy. So salvation isn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily, it, it's very simple. It's not always easy. But the, the, the remedy is very simple. It's returning the mind to God. In the instant you notice a fearful anything is showing up. It's just fear gift-wrapped again in a different form to deceive us. But it's all fear all the time. And that's replaced and healed through love. So that's just what I wanted to leave with you. Thank you so much for your sharing, Karen. I'm complete. Thank you, Lana. That was very, very good. Yeah, thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. My perception of this world and the ego is that the ego is like a radio station that says that... that, um, Broadcast says all fear all the time. I'm complete. Good one. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. That was, that was Thank a good you, Ida. Yeah, this is Lori, and um, you know, back in in chapter two, the correction for lack of love, he talks about this exactly the way you did, Lana, and. Um, and the point I wanted to make is the, the first step in the correction for lack of love, fear as lack of love, the first step is know that this is fear. You know, when my mind was all bound up in the illusion, I wasn't even aware that I was afraid, you know. And so it's a really excellent um, step in the right direction when I realized that, oh, I have recognized this is fear. You know, and now um, what becomes of my mind is my part of my mind is returning to truth. And I'm more identified with the part of my mind that sees, oh, Lori's reacting with fear. So where is my mind? My mind's already started to migrate toward truth. See? So the first step is. No, that this is fear. Karen, that was marvelous. Your your right mind said, oh, this is fear. <laughs> this is fear. Uh, and the first corrective step is, no, that this is fear. He talks about, I can't take you, your fear from you uh, because you made it. But it will disappear when you follow these four simple steps. Know first that this is fear. Now your mind is free, freer. And I'm going to just read them. Oops. I'm going in the wrong direction. One second. Well, I'm going to just offer it from memory because I don't have my right computer here. No, first that this is fear. The correction for fear is love. Three, if there is fear, then it's not perfect love. Four, perfect love is the atonement. 
Oh yes, my mind is part of God. I am very holy. Now my mind is shifted out of reacting from past learning. You know, because all fear is a consequence of having taught myself stuff like, and I had this this false teaching as well. I've done everything perfect, and still this comes to me. I've done everything right, and still this comes to me. I learned as much as there was to learn about this topic, and still this comes to me. You know, it's I, 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 the personal self has done. I need to move out of that into truth. And he can't move me. I have to be willing to recognize, ah, this is fear. That old companion fear. I don't need this. Perfect love casts out all fear. The atonement is perfect love. And it's just like you said, Lana, when I rest my mind in God, I return my awareness to the present. It's my past learning that taught me fear. My current learning, my truth, the part of me that can see, oh, this is fear, is actually free in God. And now I've moved myself into the present moment where I can understand this is just another place where I can do something different where I chose before to do it on my own. Now I can choose the Holy Spirit as my guide to truth in this moment. I'm sorry, I'm in a place where there's a lot of noise, so I'll just quit with that. Thanks, guys. Oh, thank you, Laurie. Thank you. Thanks, Laurie. My short version of all of that is, if I can see it, it isn't me. I'm the seer. And uh, as a consequence of that little shift, I can get back into love. So, um, that's my short version. Anyway, I really um, am in a very noisy place and we need to end this recording. Um, and now my mouse has even stopped working. <laughs> so I'm limping along here. Um, gosh. Well. I can press the button when you want, Mark. Okay. I wanted to open a tab on my computer where I had open uh, from Chapter 20, Paragraph 27, where he talks about this faith is justified. There is no fear in perfect love because it knows no sin and must look on others as they look within, finding charity within. What can it face? What can it fear without? Having charity within, what can it fear without? And that's what happens to my mind when I return my mind to the atonement. The love of God is within me. With the love of God within me, I can look without and see the same. We always look in before we look out. And when I can look within and find the atonement on the altar, uh, my mind is back into current moment awareness where there's always love and always peace. I don't have to manufacture faith. Faith is God's gift to me when I bring my mind to the truth of holiness the atonement on the altar. Uh, he says, when you accept atonement for yourself, your mind is healed, and it can heal. 
it's accepted forgiveness and can forgive. And so returning my mind to God, to the truth of oneness in this creation is always going to be my answer uh, to anything my mind can suffer. Forgiveness is implicit in that because forgiveness is a gift to my own mind when I let all that obscures the love of God within me be forgotten. Uh, there's holiness again. And uh, so with that, I'll end this recording, uh, and I'll stay on as long as I can. And LeMoyne, you'll have to press the button because I'm frozen. <laughs> thank you, everyone. It's been a beautiful call. Yeah, thank you, Laurie. Thanks, everybody.